0: Alright, no one wants to have a, have a shave first before we start.
1: Oh, hi
0: there! Welcome again to 11-T-E-8. Tonight we're going to be talking about On Her Majesty's Secret Service, the Bond film that isn't a Bond film
1: but is a Bond film.
0: So tonight, as usual, Justin is with me. You
1: alright, mate? How you doing? I'm good. Hello. All right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> long time no see it's good to have you back
1: actually yeah sorry yeah you know work and all that you know some of us got jobs you know
0: yeah it's unfortunate state affairs that some of us have to work for a living yeah, yeah. and samir is with me my podcast co-host
1: how are you doing mate you right yeah i'm good thanks yourself how how's your week been enjoying work yeah i do I, you know what i didn't even get informed of this treachery by the way um <laughs> You know, Sorry mate,
2: you did, but you said no, you no, haven't got time.
1: No, it's fine, no bollocks. Fuck you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, well say so won't be a millionaire's for me. Forget him because he's all us to fuck off anyway. No, so I got know, I've got,
1: I've, I've gone on our. I've gone on our channel, guys, everybody. Subscribe and all that. Here, all the information is here. Yep. You know, I go on there to have a look, see how we're doing and all that. I think, oh, what's this all about with the sixties and all that? And these little bastards, you know. That was my invite. <laughs> we um
0: Samir and I wanted to do the podcast a while back so we've kind of just taken initiative to do it but then I spoke to you about a month ago about us doing something together so oh, it yeah, goes do, both I do, ways
1: I do, I do vaguely remember that I do vaguely remember that. <laughs> yeah, I, was invited to that, I was invited to that party mate. so yeah, yeah there you I, go I'm just going to do one with my pet cat and you know, not include you two
2: uh, you can pretend to get, hey, Mr. Bond, woke up. Yeah.
1: It's going to be Bloomfield, you know.
0: Well, yeah. You know, we've got another one coming up. Actually, it's released tomorrow, which is, well, by the time this video goes up, it'll be long release, but the 14th of July at 6pm UK time, there is going to be another podcast going up, which is smear myself rambling about the Titanic, which
1: yeah, one of we, my favorite subjects. Yeah, but, yeah and we invited get, you,
0: you bastard, like, today. Yeah, you, you
1: were did, that. You did invite me, yeah. But like I said, some of us have got jobs. Right, so on a mostly. No, I think service. you're going
2: on a date, I think. Yeah. Um, I
1: love that's a job, mate. So, <laughs> can, I, I'm gonna, can I start on this one? Go on can then. I start on this one? Yeah, right. yeah if you want it. Because Paul said this in the intro. Now, some people don't see this as a Bond film, some people do. There's a bit of confusion. Obviously, Samir, on the last one, you said that this one was supposed to come before you lived twice, which is why Bloomfield didn't recognise Bond. Yes. Uh, even though it's actually a different Bloomfield. I forget the guy's name, actually, but he's, he was in... Um, uh, Teddy Silvallis. Yeah, Bridge Too Far, wasn't he? He's done a few uh, war films. Fantastic. Um And, uh, yeah, so I've, I, it's been a while since I've watched this one. And, and actually, at the beginning, I was a bit bored. But then I really got into it and understood it and thought, it's some of the best fight scenes we've seen. Actually, all it was missing was the Batman and Robin style, pow, pull, you know, in, in, some of the, in some of the scenes. In fact, I think in, in the edit, in the uh, fight scene in the uh, beginning, Paul, I think in the edits, you need to add that in, like Batman uh, on that, because it's brilliant. It's like proper, like, get into it. Anyway, um, and I actually was really sad at the end, because of course I forgot, this one was where he actually got married, and, um, and she, was, she was assassinated. And I, I actually finished the film with it.
0: Well, thanks for that was, synopsis, mate. That's, that's that done. We're out. Well. Well, that's it. That's it. So okay. the,
1: Green, was, the But I actually, I did quite enjoy watching this. And actually, Mark, the whole point to me saying this, when I got to the end, I thought, why is this even in question whether this was a bomb film? I think it was a shame that George Lazenby didn't do more.
2: Well, there's there's quite a few things that we can talk about why he didn't do them, Um, because he was offered to actually uh, do another uh, three or four movies. And then he was offered a seven movie contract as well, going up to the 80s. Uh, But because we're too early in the discussion, I think we should really concentrate on other things before going on to that, because otherwise it spoils the rest of the discussion. Do you guys agree with me there, uh, Paul, Justin?
1: Oh, I, 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 don't know. I think that's probably a good place to start because we've, okay. we've got we've got to the end of the con. We've got to the end of the Connery era, haven't we? I know he comes back for one more, um, but you know, was was he a last minute stand-in? Was it kind of no oh, shit? We need a Bond. you do Um What before we go into the Roger Moore era? I think it's probably a good time to talk about it. Really.
2: Okay, so basically, what happened? As we saw from the live twice Connery was a little bit pissed off with. Uh, Harry Saltzman and Albert Broccoli, the two producers. The reason was, one, they got themselves a new deal and didn't get Conry a deal. The point was Conry wanted a decent basic plus a percentage and also some say on the creation of the movies, creative side of the movies, and he thought they were just repeating the same old stuff. Uh, but with different backgrounds, with slightly different stories. But essentially, you could take any of the Bond movies and it would be the same. So he said goodbye and they said, OK, who do we ask? So they asked, um, I think, Richard Burton uh, again for this movie. Tim Dalton, who uh, does become born in the later 80s, he turned it down because he was only 21. He goes, he don't, and plus, he didn't want to follow the footsteps of um, Conry because Conry was born basically. And don't forget, this was the first time someone else was going to take over as well. So, there are these experienced uh, actors, and this guy heard uh, about Conry leaving. So George Lazenby, who was actually a car, secondhand car salesman slash model slash advertised actor, decided to come to London. And he goes uh, to several road, picks up Conry's uh, suit from uh, Conry's tailor or Bond's tailor, because it was a are similar sort of in height and luckily the size was very similar and uh, goes to the barber. And he walks into uh, Albert Brockley's and Harry Saltzman's uh, office and goes, here I, I am. I'm the next Bond. And they go, we've never heard of you. Where have you worked? Obviously, nowadays, I actually wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, what he does next. He goes, I made loads of movies in China and Hong Kong. And they went, OK, let's find out. And obviously they found a little bit out, but not enough to find out he was basically making that up because he hadn't made movies, he'd only made adverts. And then they basically did an audition and actually uh, he knocked out a stuntman and that's how he actually became Bond. Um, so it's also about social uh, evolution and revolution happening in the late 60s as well. So you had movies like Easy Rider coming and so after doing on her Majesty's Secret Service, he had signed up for three movies. His agent, manager slash agent said, "No one wants to see a guy uh, in a suit going around spying for Britain, etc. Forget it. It's over. It's old fashioned. Bond's finished." So he basically said to uh, Albert Brockney and uh, Co. Saltzman, "That's it. I'm not going to do any more." And then he basically they offered him. million, then $1.5 million, then $2 million per movie for the next seven movies or eight movies, which would have taken him to the um, early 80s. And he just said, no, because I've I've made it now. I'm going to be known in Hollywood, and that's it. Unfortunately, he didn't realise that was a big mistake because he left, Connery came back, and then we know that the Roger Moore era happened. And he never became a big sign in Hollywood. Everyone just remembers him for On Her Majesty's Secret Service, but he ended up going to Hong Kong, actually making movies in Hong Kong, Kung Fu movies, where he was going to do two or three with Bruce Lee, but unfortunately Bruce Lee died when just a few months before he signed a contract, so he had to do them on his own. So that's the story behind him not doing any more Bond movies. It was his agent
1: manager. Oh, well, there you go. Well, that's good to know. I think that's important for... Uh, people to understand that because I'm sure there's, there's those questions about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, he didn't help himself either because if you read some of the quotes from Diana Rigg, who was the bongo girl in this movie, she was just amazed at the level of um, arrogance and self-importance that he had on set. And the director I think it's Peter Hunt. Couldn't fucking stand the sight of him. Um, there's a few quotes from him that are quite scathing. Uh, he He just had this, supposedly, anyway, he had this air of self-importance that um, he'd, he'd made it to the big time and that he could demand certain things of people. People quit because of him. They walked off the set. So it was a very, I think very can strange You see that a little time. bit.
1: Yeah, I think you can see that a little bit in his demeanour and the way he acts as well, um, for, yeah, looking at this. I did wonder, I mean, we've always talked about Bond having that sort of sense of arrogance or you know, coming into himself. Uh, and maybe he just, he got into it. Ray, that's why. I mean, he he played that part too well, perhaps.
2: Now, um, the other thing is, uh, Justin and Paul, you have to remember at the time when Connery had left the part, it was the biggest gig in Hollywood or in the movie industry. Well, it's big, it's was, big
1: shoes to fill, isn't it?
2: Yeah, first it's big shoes to fill because don't forget, we went from Connery being unknown to being the biggest star in the world, mega star in the world, or biggest uh, movie star at least for a few years when he was born. And not only that, but it was the number one gig. Anyone who caught that, uh, basically, uh, part was going to be famous overnight and there was going to be loads of pressure. Obviously, he thought because he had become Bond, that's it. And he can do what he likes, behave the way he likes, even had no respect for the actual producers as well, because in the contract, and I think it's still in the contract for every Bond, within you need to have your hair cut need to be shaven doesn't matter what you're doing you're not allowed to grow your hair it's about the public image you see there was uh, this guy who was clean cut and obviously he was a young adult of 29 he's the youngest born in history as well remember that so only 29 years old so he was into his uh, counterculture what um what do you say uh Easy Rider, uh, basically, introduced at the time. And he wanted to actually ride his Harley Davidson. He bought a Harley Davidson. He grew his hair. He had one of those uh, bar uh, handle sort of uh, tashes and long hair. And that's what was a problem. He he basically... Sounds like a rock stuff.
1: cunt. <laughs> it
0: apparently it was a cunt. Nice... Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I th- I think there was an awful lot of... Um... I can't, can't really think of the words really. he I think he went in with certain expectations to get, get stuff and I think the producers were just expecting someone to just follow orders and I did read that he he was offering a lot of advice on certain things on set and people were like, Who the hell are you? Hold on a second. Why are you telling us about this, that and the other? And, you know, Shut up. And a lot of, I think a lot of the actors as well were very surprised with that. They're like, no, 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 mate. You've got the probably the biggest opportunity in hollywood right here shut the fuck up listen do your job and then when you've got a few years experience then maybe come back and offer some advice but not right now so yeah. very odd yeah. so i mean the opening of this this movie we've got the the whole the whole setup is completely different we've got yeah. no actual theme tune as such no. no no um which i actually quite preferred but you know, so a lot of people, you just expect there to be a theme tune.
1: It was very but, rushed. You sort of got the impression it was very put together very quickly.
0: Yeah, it was very I think,
2: odd. I think it was a case where they did that on purpose due to the fact it was a new Bond, so they don't want to have someone singing the same sort of uh, music, saying that he's a man of action, he's a man of this, he's a man of that. And they wanted to make it different. So if you remember the start with a music title that made, also made sure that you knew it was the same person, actually another extra player with all his past missions.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you noticed that. There, there was a, I mean, there was a theme and that was Louis Armstrong's song, All the Time in the World, that played throughout in various different yeah. um, instrumental yeah. versions and actually yeah, you know, there's a montage in there that plays that music. So there was a theme tune, but it wasn't Bond related. It just happened to be in the movie, which is yeah. strange. And well, it was basically about uh, his romance. Then they took out himself.
2: And if you remember, Justin, that was used in '93 or '94 for the uh, "Drink You're Having Tonight."
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, because I do think that this film didn't have a very sort of. I don't think, a very clear, definitive, baddie plot. Not, not really. Um, I think this was this was more about him, almost, uh, what he got up to when he was on holiday. Instead of having his resignation, he had a two-week holiday. And for me, uh, the lead role was, uh, was it Diana Rigg, the, um, uh, the, the Bond girl, who was, in, who was incredibly pretty, and I think she put she played the part incredibly well. Um, but, the, the, but there was also, and I'm sure we'll come to this later on, the confusion as well. And so again, what happened to the, uh, the girls uh, is, is question number one. Um, again, another fucking Bond disappearing thing where we've got to guess what actually happened to them. But it was a very flimsy plot line. It was a very sort of, well, this is kind of what I'm doing. This is kind of what I'm doing. But and that was, it was sort of, and it did, but I'm saying it didn't really spoil it for me but it wasn't a massively obvious baddie plot line.
0: Yeah, it was a very mature storyline, yes, I think.
1: Very good. Yeah, that, that's the word. A mature storyline. Yeah. Very good. Yeah.
0: You, you didn't. It wasn't like wrote for a child or a teenager. You didn't need constant prompting. You just watched it and let it unfold. Whereas the previous Bond movies, they all follow a very tight script. It's very obvious what's going to happen. You can almost work it out in your brain 20 minutes before it's happened. Well, you, you kind of anticipate, right, that's going to happen. Okay, that bit's happened. Right, that's now going to happen. Oh, there you go. It's just happened. This was completely different. It just felt like a story unfolding. Um, th- From the beginning, when he's actually in the car, he's obviously in Switzerland again. And that road he's driving on looks very familiar to the one in um, Goldfinger, where Sean Connery's driving the Aston Martin. It looks yeah. very, it may not be, but it looks very, very familiar with the sort of the stone markers at the side of the road and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just correct you on that one Paul. My Apologies to Be A Pain uh,
2: that was shot in Portugal that scene
0: Alright why is that then it's supposed to be in Switzerland was not it the whole, the no, whole movie
1: no,
0: no it's Portugal Well,
1: well the, I mean the, the giveaway is the sea because uh, Switzerland's <laughs> landlocked So, this <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> shows how much <laughs> attention I paid to that bit then uh, I don't want to say that, Justin, but yeah, that's one thing. Uh, but, yeah, it's- the, the
1: Swiss apparently have got a very, very good navy. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: <laughs> they're very good at <laughs> uh, very good at navigating lakes. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. they yeah, yeah. They, they deploy their submarines in in the lot uh, in lakes. <laughs> I you, very Lake- early on, though,
0: yeah. Very early on with this, though, there is a there is a particular point that kind of breaks the the immersion for me, and I was pretty disappointed. And that was after the, the whole fight scene on the beach and stuff. He he looks he looks. I'm sure he even looks at the camera and says, "Oh, that wouldn't have happened to the previous fella."
1: Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you said that because I, I thought I thought did he just look at the camera and, and you know and was he referring to Connery or this didn't happen to the to the previous guy? Previous. No,
2: that's what uh, they think it was. Basically, it was they call it the fourth wall. Basically, because he's talking about himself. Because Connery was, uh, although a different actor, it was meant to be the same character, uh, same Bond. It wasn't another Bond, basically. So it's the same per- uh, person.
0: I don't think that's in, that's in question to me. I think we all understand that. But the fact that it was just emotion breaking, you know, I am here to watch a Bond movie, right? I've I've got it. It's, it's clearly a different fucking actor. I can see that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, it was to... a bit quippy, wasn't it? It was a bit quippy, you know. Something like you're expecting Austin Powers, but not in a serious film like. Bond, yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree with you. Uh, and and do you know what? It took the attention away from me getting really angry about how in the fuck do you get screeching tires on sand? But It's thing. Mm.
0: <laughs> screeching tires. These things that you pick up on. I mean, it was. Is that when she drives away from where the car's parked? Uh, it up? was
1: all the time when he when he came down onto the onto the beach and stopped. It screeched when he was she was she drove his car off the beach. I think, for fuck's sake, come on. And it's called foleying, of course, you know, that technique of, of adding in sound on a movie. I'm thinking, these foley artists, what the fuck are they doing? And it's just, it kind of just think, oh, God. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, Samir, thinking, oh, he's going to take the You know, but it's something so simple to just not do, you know? <laughs> well,
2: I'm going to come back. It's movies, mate. They can make one or two mistakes. I'm not going to say it's the 60s, because then we're saying people from the 60s were fake, which they obviously weren't. Well,
1: the Foley artists clearly were. Bollocks, they were, because you don't get screeching tyres on sand. Yeah, but I
2: know that.
1: Yeah, we won't won't argue about that.
0: (laughs) Just just there a dramatic effect, isn't it,
1: there? Exactly. Well, actually, it's more dramatic that Aston Martin even worked, to be honest, because those were fucking shite, those Aston Martins. You know, they were lovely cars, but they're massively unreliable, or maybe even got off the beach. So they must have yeah. had a few of those in standby. It must have edited it, you know, because actually if you watch it quite carefully, they did edit it because when she pulled away, it was stuck and then it cut to her pulling off. If you look <laughs> at it really carefully. So, yes,
2: you're right. It does suddenly shoot up the hill from
1: yeah. nowhere. And, and, um, and the film speeds up again. You know, we were talking about it with the duck on the head. Yeah. The, yeah. It, yeah, the motion speeds up because it must have taken a fucking age for this thing to get off the beach.
2: Yeah, don't forget it's a heavy car as well.
1: Very yeah. heavy car. But yeah, anyway, but,
2: uh, I don't know, going, going uh, forward, I don't know if you notice how different M's, M's office was. It does look like it's late 1960s, and also the suits that M and Q are wearing, and also the sort of uh, suit Miss Money pe- pennies uh, wearing as well. I don't know if you noticed the different fashions had yeah. come in.
0: No, nah, mate, and that slipped me by, that one, because, well, who's going to notice I noticed that? I the, in the fashion,
1: fashions, like, yeah. Studied
0: I, every film, every bit frame by frame. I'll probably pick it up in editing, though. You know, when I'm editing this, I'll put, oh, there, there's what Samir was talking about with the wide collars and shit.
2: Yeah, and also, if you look at the, I don't know if it was the actual film itself, the way they sort of, what sort of film they use. But if you notice, even the office is brighter coloured. It's not dark brown, it's lighter brown and more vets on the actual leather.
0: Jesus Christ, what <laughs> are you doing with your
1: time, mate? I know you're
0: a fan, but this is getting yeah. this is getting a bit much.
1: <laughs> Can we get back to cars? <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, it was a cougar, much wasn't it? Much more interesting talking about fucking leather and fashion and all that shite, isn't it? Well, d- you
2: know? OK, I'm changing the subject, as you don't want to talk about leather. You normally do, mate, but not tonight. Um <laughs> <laughs> What they, the mistake I think they made was they're trying to keep most of uh, Connery's Bond um, uh, or or my, uh, some of him, where his habits, his style, the way he would sort of say um, "Don Perion 57 or whatever it was he ordered.
1: Oh, you know, he's, bond. he's He's a different actor, but he's still Bond. He's still James Bond. He's not. It's not like James Bond Junior. Is he like picking up all his father's traits? <laughs> he's big Bond. So they've got Jimmy to keep- bond, his they, nephew. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, the bastard child, you know, we just had to call fucking the same name. You know, hence why it starts the casino, isn't it?
2: Yeah, but if you look at the actual Roger Moore movies, they actually changed the character for, to make it what would be suitable
1: for Roger Moore. Well, perhaps, perhaps that all falls into what I feel, rightly or wrongly, that the movie felt like it was put together quite quickly to fill the gap so that there, there was at least a Bond movie in that year so that people didn't lose interest.
2: I think it was also done where basically what, what, what happened, they would already cast, as far as I remember, they would already cast this movie. So obviously Connery was going to be Bond. Uh, Diana Riggs actually was called in to replace Brigitte Bardot because it was going to be Sean Connery and Bridget Bardot, because at the time both of them were the biggest stars in the late 60s. So, even Diana Riggs was a replacement. <clears throat> uh, so, they basically had the same script or similar script to what they were going to give Conry and Bardo, but with different actors. And I'm not sure if it worked uh, uh, that well in, in certain areas, although it's become a cult classic for Bond fans, sort of thing, and some people's favourite since it, uh,
1: it launched in 68, I mean,
2: 69, sorry.
1: I would I would go as far to say, forgive me here, we might lose fans, but if I were rating the movies we've done for Bond so far, this would be in my top three.
0: I'm glad you you said that. I mean, I've, I've obviously got the bollocks to stand up and say it myself, but I'm glad you said it first, so you can take the flack. But I would say this was the best out of all the ones we've seen so far. As much as I like Sean Connery, I think I would have liked to have seen Sean Connery do this movie. Yeah. But I do think that if Connery had have done this movie, it would have been just like the rest of them. It would have been a very obvious plot line, um, you know, all action and no right. real kind of substance. So
1: I, I, again, I completely agree. And it's almost like George Lazerby helped to reset or take Bond into a new era with a, with a, with a change.
0: Mm yeah there's definitely a lot to be said for for changing it up with a new actor it's, it's a shame it didn't really work out but yeah i'd say that there's there's an awful lot to this movie that i really really like um you mentioned diana riggs samir let's just spend some time spend some time on on her because i think she's easily the best bond girl so far and maybe of the entire lot because she's got sass she's got intelligence she's you know she's got a mind of her own. i like most Bond girls are just fuck pieces, aren't they? And they just get tossed aside and move on. Whereas this one a yeah, little Did she?
1: Yeah, absolutely. She wasn't submissive, I think is probably a good.
2: But also talking about Dinah Riggs is <clears throat> amazing because we know she was a part of Avengers. She was Emma Pill. And before her was um Pussy Glore was in, uh, the original Avengers lady. I forgot what her name, but Emma Pill, basic Diana Riggs took over. So there's a connection with the Avengers as well uh, between the two. So one succeeded the other, in even in the Bond movies. And yeah, you're right. Um, she was completely different to other Bond uh, girls in a sense. She was quite. She was a very strong lady. She was very um, self reliant. And obviously, she was independently wealthy as well because of her family background. Yeah,
1: because obviously, he, he, become, he becomes Draco's son-in-law. Which, uh, and and again, I don't believe there's any reference in later in any other Bond film that pulls back to the fact that he is technically family to the Dracos. Is that, does this ever come up again? Does he ever call upon the favour of his his father-in-law to help him out? No, no.
2: It's funny enough. You're right. He doesn't. The only time it's all the only time it's connected is when he is uh, a uh, Roger Moore movie in eighty one uh, for your eyes only, where he's going to visit uh, Tracy's uh, grave. But that's the only connection to that movie. Otherwise, it's never ever uh, mentioned. He's never asked a favour from his father in law or his uh, if or anyone in that
0: organisation. If we um, if we take this from an actual real-world point of view, I know it's all fantasy stuff, but surely if Bond was married to a criminal organisation and, I mean, married in the literal and yeah, metaphorical sense an organi- a criminal organisation and he works for MI6 surely that means that he would be kicked out of MI6 because he could be compromised, could be blackmailed
1: Absolutely, I-, I did think that, that he wouldn't be able to marry into that sort of world because it's, it's contradictory to what he actually does.
0: Bond quits. That's the bit I'm at. Bond hands in his resignation. He says, right, I'm done. And it was all a ploy. I mean, it's a bit of a childish prank. I think I think all of us have probably tried that trick at some point in our career, haven't we? I know that I think I've done it once, where you go, oh, well, I'll quit then. And the boss just goes, all right, see you later. Oh, shit.
1: Yeah, I have done that once. Didn't work out too well. I backfired, but yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, not all of us have
2: got PAs like Miss Moneypenny who where she writes something different instead of giving a resignation a, a request two weeks' holiday. So I think that's where we went wrong.
0: There's a lot of um, traveling as well. You know, he's supposed to be on holiday for two weeks and there's a a lot of traveling on that whole montage. You know, after he's had the discussion with Teresa's father about getting married and all that sort of stuff, he then woos her for a bit. Yeah, they, they're going to the beach, they're going to London, they're going to some sort of landscaped garden. Hey, how yeah. much travelling can you do in a fortnight? Well, I don't know. Uh, i
2: about ten countries at least. The other thing that made me laugh uh, was, you know, back of the car, like, her dad, Draco, was in the middle and both of them were looking at each other like... Uh, teenagers, like, uh, come on, that is James Bond. He doesn't go, uh, that's what, this is where you can know that wasn't Conway because Conway would have never done that. Conway had that, you know, he had his eyes together like this, screwed up face all the time, just waiting to give you a dead jab and saying, where is that person? You knew that he was a man of action. This guy looks a little bit on the soft side in that sense. Well, that's probably
0: why people okay. relate to this movie a little bit more. Is that it's yeah, a bit so. more of a softer nature. Yeah. And the thing is, it's it's yeah. Right, we've all been in love at some point, and <laughs> you know what it's <laughs> you know what it's like. You go soppy, didn't you?
1: Anyway, well, Rolls Royce, the convertible Rolls Royce. <laughs> well, yeah, I lo- love that car. Although, and and the thing is, of course. What a stupid fucking scene with the roof! You know, with the roof coming up as they're driving mm-hmm. along—that would never have happened. What's going on? again,
0: it would have taken off, wouldn't it? Like a paraglider. Yeah, just,
1: yeah. well, the roof would have just ripped off. It's <laughs> uh, rubbish. But the car itself— but I forget what it is. Smear. is it a? Uh, is it a uh, Phantom? I think it is. I'm, I'm not 100 sure, but I like that guy in the back where he shows him a knife, and he doesn't say anything; just goes. Uh, nineteen sixty-eight Rolls-Royce Silver Shadow drophead coupe. So, nice. Silver
0: Shadow, okay.
1: Yeah, no, no, Silver Shadow drophead. Very that,
0: does, that have it have a, does it have a relevant, you know, uh, current uh, current year price be.
1: range? Uh, yeah, it's first seen in the nineteen sixty-nine film, so it hadn't ever been seen before. So it had its debut. Even the people and, that built it,
0: they hadn't, they hadn't even, seen it. Yeah.
1: No, I haven't seen it at all. No, no, I they were pl- so, <laughs> Yeah, it was it was all done. So the um yeah, so it's first seen. So it was um so it was a product placement and first ever seen in the film.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: How I mean, much?
1: Here's my users.
2: Um
1: probably ten thousand pounds.
2: I dunno. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, just type it in and say how much it was
1: in nineteen sixty, whatever, nine or whatever. I'll just look at eBay, shall I? No, eBay won't give or, you that. Or a auction website of your choice.
2: No. None of your dirty choices. Just put 1969 <laughs> voice, voice, whatever model. How much was it originally? And you'll get it. Uh,
1: thank you, Smith, for letting me know how to use a search engine of my choice. Yes. You're welcome. I didn't
2: mention any uh, search engines. I just said put that in, didn't I?
0: Well, while well, Justin's Searching oh. the internet, I mean, literally using
1: Fucking Google's bollocks in it at times. Oh, rubbish.
0: Jesus, I don't use it anymore.
1: Oh, or <laughs> that's the one that I choose to use. There are many others available.
0: Yeah, it's rubbish. Right. I, I don't use that, it's awful. It just bubbles you. Um,
1: right, so right. okay. So, while what so Justin's what's looking doing? up the
0: price of a Rolls Royce Phantom silver shadow, well, yeah. um,
1: don't know, given up, don't know. Somebody, please comment and tell us how much one's worth. Thank you very much, fans. That's, that's nice how much you.
0: That's if this segment to... remains in the video. Yeah,
1: yeah. By the way,
2: we're not looking for how much it's worth. Uh, oh yeah, like, uh, you like to
1: cut me out, don't you? I only get a few minutes, get a little but bit of air time. I'm cut him out there.
2: I tell you what,
1: right? You're cut, talking about cut, cuts. cut me off in mid sentence. It's like you know, now oh, fuck it, cut, edit. <laughs> I'm talking about edits, right? I'm the
0: one that suffers the most, right? I'm supposed to be the bleeding host of this stuff. And I just like <coughs> to say three words and it's just down a YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aggressive editing. So, uh, the flow going?
2: Yeah, so basically, uh, if you remember, Tracy was married before to an Italian count who killed himself in his Maserati uh, with his mistress, uh, which sort of she had a psychological problem according to her father because of that and also I think it was her mother uh, who died at an early age so
1: what you were saying, she wasn't brought up by a, a lady or a woman
2: and that's why she was so different
1: So the guy the guy on the building site put in the enormous photocopier in the thing, was that one of Draco's men? No What well, was he no. then? Secret Service guy?
0: Yeah
1: right. Secret Service, yeah
0: he wasn't very secret, was he climbing up that mountain?
2: No, that's why he was hanging at the end, wasn't
0: he? Like, hello. Yeah, that's a night because that's a good question actually. Because I was a bit confused at that. Obviously, it was somebody that was working with Bond, but I couldn't figure out whether it was just some, you know, like his mate or yeah, somebody else at MI6 or whatever. It's bizarre.
2: The impression I got was MI6. And I've had, had that. But now, Justin has mentioned Draco, I'm a little bit confused myself. Well, I'll be very frank and honest with you. But I always thought it was MI6.
1: I think you're probably right. I think it probably was MI6 because this mission was relating to something for that to get him back on the case, wasn't it? Because he had been unassigned to this. So he yeah. was trying to find something to reassign himself, um, you know, to position himself to get reassigned to it. That's why. So I think the guy was MI6. But did anybody else think he had a, a faint um sort of uh, likeness to uh, Des O'Connor? <laughs>
2: <What>? <laughs> the blonde guy? Yeah, was it Des, o- Des O'Connor? No, he looked like... Uh, uh, what's his <laughs> name? Yeah, the one who's married to Amanda Holin. Or uh, Den- uh, Dennis? Les Dennis?
1: Les, De- Les, Les Dennis? Dennis. Uh, might be Les Dennis, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Les Dennis, that's what I meant. Yeah, Les Dennis. <laughs> Not Dennis. There's
2: a corner. There's a corner. Yeah. Of the dark it's
1: Les, Les. Dennis. He did look like Les Dennis. I'm sorry, but yeah. he just did. Yeah. <laughs> I actually thought I actually thought it was Les Dennis. Les Dennis when I first saw it. I thought, what's he fucking doing in the film? And our <laughs> audience says,
0: "You're a bunch of dicks."
1: What a knob! Yeah, <laughs> you, can edit that bit out. you like you like editing me out anyway, so you can just edit that bit out. <laughs>
0: Oh, Christ.
1: Justin's really going for you tonight, isn't he? He's saying you <laughs> like doing
2: this to me, you like doing that to me. But I'm Justin. He's right, well, got an yeah, axe to Brian tonight. tonight.
0: Got
1: an axe More importantly, to what, what edition of Playboy was that that he was looking at?
0: I'm pretty sure you can probably find that out, actually, if you search for it. Some yeah, you probably would. to have done that research. I'm guessing it would have been a 1968 edition because films are usually filmed the year before, Correct. aren't they? Before they're released. So I would have thought it'd be sometime in
1: 68. I mean, it looks it looks like Kerry Katona, but obviously it isn't. <laughs> 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 Kerry Katona, the
0: well-known time traveller.
1: Yeah. It does look a bit like her, actually, but no, it's
2: not. Okay, coming back, to it, come on. Let's move on before it gets too blue for
0: nine o'clock before midnight. We mentioned the big... Big the, the big case with the photocopier and stuff yeah. and the safe cracking tool. Yeah. I seem to remember yeah. quite vividly um Bond cracking a safe in You Only Live Twice with a little pocket contraption. So
1: yes, yep.
0: he did. Have we gone backwards in technology? I realized there was a photocopier attached to it, but when yeah. I saw that and he got it all out and connected, I was like, well, What? We're we going backwards here. How is that any more advanced?
2: He, yeah, it's the photo. Very good point, that, isn't it? I think it was because of the photocopier you needed it to be that big. But otherwise, you're right, technology-wise, it would have been backward if you had used that just for opening the safe. Uh, and also, uh, I think it was a case where, don't forget, uh, photocopiers was just coming out at the time, I think, from my memory, basically, from what I've read. So it was like another uh, show piece ad- slash advertising market placement. Look, this is the future. I'd, to I'd have
1: feeling. worried more about photocopying the Playboy, to be honest. I don't know why it was.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know, Justin. That's why your mission you've been on, mate. You've been on. Um... It would have been
1: in color, though, would it? It's a bit primitive. Yeah. You wouldn't care, mate, would you? You just whacked, his, just whacked his phone out and used Cam Scanner or a scanner app of your choice and and just scanned it and sent it to so yourself,
0: So we're hanging up on the Playboy thing here, aren't we? Because I, I do yeah, actually have a. Long. Yeah, go on. I do actually have a a note of it myself, actually, the Playboy thing, because it's it's obvious product placement, and it is so blatant as well. And why would that creepy kind of lawyer fella have a copy of Playboy in his office?
2: The reason why uh, it was a a product placement, because at one point, um, if you remember in other movies, he would have a card in his wallet and he's a member of a playboy club in London because it was just a new thing they'd just launched the playboy club in London which actually only la- well uh, boomed up to the 80s and it was shut because um, all the rich people from the Middle East came along etc and it was an oil boom and eventually look I think it, was, it must be five or ten years ago now they've launched a new playboy club um, in London but for so many years for 20 plus years it was absent but yeah at, uh, from London so yeah you're right Paul it was a a product placement because James Bond's a playboy who else would advertise such a magazine so well
1: and also I can't imagine that that um, they would have been able to use that without any kind of permission so I think by default it must have been <clears throat> Because it was I mean, like you, Playboy at that point was even was was just as big as it is today, really. Really? Of course it was. I'm sure it was. I thought it'd be bigger, mate. I thought it'd be le- it'll well, not that big now. No, I think it was still people's go-to top shelf magazine. Anyway, let's move on from from Playboy. <laughs> I think uh, I, Dan, I, sir, I, you're reading habits there giving away. No, I read from yeah. the house. Anyway, I want to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Move, I want to move on to the coat of arms and the orbis non um, uh, suffici," which it means uh, tomorrow is not enough. The, the world, world is not enough. The world is not enough, sorry. I didn't know yeah. that. Um, yeah. And interestingly, you got uh, a, the name of a movie placed within this film that came later on um, in his coat of arms, because I sort of thought, oh, that's, that's interesting, because I actually did rewind it and paused it, and I have paused it on the shield uh, here. Um, because I, I just found that quite, I just found that quite interesting. Because of course, you know, Skyfall was the name of the house that he lived in in Scotland, was it? it was where he was brought up. So it, it, it just, it's interesting. But the, and obviously, Spectre, obviously, Spectre. So some of the later films were almost set up for their titles way back at early at this point.
0: Yeah, and have you, have you ever looked into those um, heraldry things?
1: Yeah, yeah I've, I've got it for, for my surname. And, uh, and I've got the coat of arms. I've got our coat
0: of arms. Right. Because that's what I was going to get to. Um, I did that years ago and I got some crappy image and stuff like that. And it's mostly bollocks, right? Not everyone has got heraldry. You have to, I mean, that whole piece in the Bond movie is true. There are people that do mm-hmm. dedicated research to that. Not everyone got a coat of arms, You had to earn that stuff. So you go on a website and type in your name and you get a little fucking crappy shield and a little thing that you can print. It's rubbish. It's nonsense. As you said, not everyone has those um, coat of armors,
2: uh, arms and stuff like that. But don't forget also, uh, Borla was meant to be from an aristocratic upper-class family as well.
1: He wasn't there to establish his own, though, was he? He was there to establish Bloomfields.
2: Yeah, he was, but he had to use his own background.
1: Oh, right. Okay. As a cover, because, right. because I was, I was surprised to see old Wexford behind the desk uh, in there. You know. Do you know he was considered at one time to play Bond himself? I can, I, I can believe that actually. Yeah. Yeah. I loved him in Wexford. He was bloody brilliant.
2: I think he's six feet under now, isn't he?
1: I think he has passed on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, but
0: anyway, anyway, coming back to it. The... he did a lot of the voiceover as well. I noticed yeah. that um, Lazenby was talking, and it was that fella's voiceover. it. Yeah. and he did like after <laughs> movie, as in, yeah. I thought, well, that's a good gig, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> yeah, because the
2: problem was uh, they needed a sort of a British uh, accent, and George Lazenby had a quite a strong Aussie accent.
1: Oh, was he was he Australian then, George Lazenby? Yeah, he was from Australia. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. That wasn't immediately obvious, I have to say. You can't have Sir Hillary talking. G'day, mate. He, really Yeah, but well, that well, I thought it was more Sherlock Holmes when he came off the train. Oh.
0: Yeah, well, he was disguised, wasn't he? Because when I, the first time I ever saw this movie, I did think it was really, really weird that he was dressed in these different outfits that Bond probably wouldn't wear. But then, of course, he was being he was disguising himself as that fella in the heraldry office.
1: That's so that, yeah. it makes sense, doesn't it? Really. I was just expecting to
2: go, uh, yes, dear Watson. We well, space. It's become a slash restaurant hotel, I think. And it's used for events as well. Um, obviously they've changed it. It's not like the orange color of the ni- late 1960s wallpaper. In case you're looking for- to see that after, it'll be very disappointing. But, um, one day, uh, when, um, we are bigger podcast guys or
0: um, YouTubers. We can go and visit these sites. That place you mentioned at the top of the mountain there. I see that was Blofeld's little base of operations for this particular movie. An and we get yeah. I actually preferred Terry Savalas as Blofeld in this. He was more believable. I liked him as Blofeld because he had a bit of menace about him. He had a bit of um, a bit of bollocks about him. You could believe that he would take matters into his own hands if he had to, rather than that other fella, Donald Pleasance, that was in You Only Live Twice. He's just a wheezy little kind of guy.
1: Uh, we just, he looked, yeah, but the thing is, he, yeah, I agree with you. He looked too much like, um, you know, Mike Myers in in um, uh, Austin Powers. It was too much of a likeness. And the thing also, and I'm I, I thinking about this, because obviously the Magic Secret Service was supposed to be before You Only Live Twice, but Bloomfield in You Only Live Twice, which would have been after a Magic Secret Service, he had the scar. So he must have got that scar. I was expecting through this film to to, like, to him sort of jump away from a grenade or a bit like Inspector where he, he, he got injured to then lead on to, oh, that's why he had the scar on his face in You Only Live Twice and why Austin Powers depicted the scar because he must have got it from this film, but there was no evidence of that. There was no crash while skiing or grenade or gunshot or explosion. Uh, in fact, I don't even know where he fucking went at the end of this film again. Um, so... Yeah, it is uh, yeah. it
0: is all a little bit strange but there, there's a number of these different little sort of plot continuity issues between mm. it, it, that's why I think a lot of Bond fans are uh, not keen on this movie because there's glaring issues with it mm. in terms of the overall narrative and the story of Bond. It's very odd there's, there's some bits that are ballsed
2: up Another thing is although Spectre and Blofeld had become really famous uh, bad guys in the bond sort of uh, movies etc it was only meant to be a trilogy so basically he was only meant to be in three movies and then he goes but
0: in the movies why they changed direction was legal reasons a bond led up to that room full of fembots that was quite a scene you can imagine walking into that it's like uh been on a planet, Am- the Am- planet of the Amazons, isn't it? Just walking straight yeah. in, there's just all these women, and they're all like <laughs> with their tongue out, just panting, like "Wow." <laughs> and yeah. uh, I don't know if you noticed Joanna Lumley, you know? The- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, my
2: favourite when he sat, uh, on the Joanna
0: t- Lumley was in it. Yes, yeah. She, yeah. she only had one. She had one line on camera when he walked away from the dinner table. She said something derogatory about him. Something like he was. Alluding to the fact that it was boring. And I think she said something that was off camera. I'm sure I heard her voice say something.
2: Yeah. But at the time, she was one of the top models in uh, the UK. I think, was it uh, Twiggy, who was famous in the 60s? I think her and Twiggy were the top two or top three uh, models in the country at the same time. So she wasn't really an actress. She was more of a model. My favourite bit is when he sat at the table and uh, he goes, can I be excused? I've got a bit of a stiffness coming on.
1: Yeah, that was great, that, yeah. Yeah.
0: If I'm right about this, right, okay, that whole situation with all those women being there, they were there under the pretext of being solved... From some issue yes. that they had, I don't really think that um, a dislike of chicken is a reason to go and pay top dollar to be in a in a in a bunker no, no, somewhere so... in Switzerland. I mean that's ridiculous. But yeah, so they're all so the pretext is that they're all there to be um, cured of something, right? But yeah. Yeah. they're actually being brainwashed. There's this brainwashing going on so that when they're released out into the wild they all take these little vials with them and end up dropping some virus somewhere. Yeah. Correct. Correct. That's it. That's what the plan was. It's a very elaborate plan, isn't it? By old Blofeld. It's one of these drawn out. You couldn't make it any more elaborate and drawn out really. Could you? No, no, no. And you could just fly over a country with a, a low flying aircraft and just spray it out and it would probably be a hell of a lot easier than spending months brainwashing women
1: well yeah but this wasn't this sort of quite a, a big thing you know uh, with with the whole russian mind tricks sleeper agents cold war you know tactics and etc yeah it et
2: was basically a technique you were talking about yeah they did uh, there are rumours that the Russians were doing that with quite a lot of their agents.
0: Yeah, well, I think um, it was not a film called The Manchurian Candidate that was in the early 60s or the late 50s, yes. and, and it was all about that type of stuff. Yeah, so I, I think at the time, yeah, it was, just, it was just tapping into the zeitgeist at the time, wasn't it? it was just, yeah. This is a yeah. thing that happens. Yeah,
2: yeah absolutely. So w- how can I say there's not really 100% proof that it worked But there was always suspicion that the Eastern Bloc had that technology. And you're right, that was one of the most famous movies in the 50s or
0: 60s, Paul. That whole section with the the, the base on top of the mountain um, probably falls into one of the, the biggest criticisms I have of this movie is that it was far too long, the editing really could have done with trimming up. There was a lot of extra stuff in there that didn't need to be there. And this whole movie in general, I think was too long. There was an awful lot. Two hours and
1: 22 minutes. And I agree with you, actually. You know, even the ski scene was too long. Racing around the racetrack was far too long. Again, it's funny, I've maybe got the same notes, but I I thought that this could have easily been trimmed down to a, you know, to one hour 50 film easily. And you would have got the idea
0: definitely definitely it was it was getting difficult to watch at that point where he's creeping around the base and stuff and you think you know the usual he gets shut in a room and left to escape and it's a little bit difficult to escape and but yeah he does it and you think right okay come on you know come on come on let's get going let's get going let's push it forward
1: yeah yeah well like when he's on the cable car and the wire keeps sending him backwards again (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, and the the bits of rags he had around his hands actually turned into gloves by the end of it. Yes, they did.
1: Yeah, I spotted that as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I spotted I spot, I spot quite a few uh, continuities, but I have uh, I've refrained. <laughs> See
2: another yeah. thing, um, we have to realize this made less than you only live twice. You only live twice made one hundred twenty five million dollars in the box office, and this made about eighty seven million.
1: How in the fuck did she know, Can see where she's going in that car with the windscreen wipers and perfectly be able to steer it over a bridge and into? i just got to that part and thing, and I thought that annoyed me when I watched it.
0: Oh, that was after the ski chase, right? Yeah, where yeah, in, in a town.
1: in a complete blizzard, but she's managing to steer the car down, you know, down a lake in in, in over a bridge and into a garage. I think that's rubbish.
0: That's well, movie, innit? it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, well, I wasn't going to say that, but no. But don't forget,
2: they're quite used to that it, sort of weather in Switzerland. If she lived, nothing that she studied there, she probably learned how to drive there. So she's probably used to them sort of uh,
1: conditions. Yeah, well, why she Why is she turning the washer fucking thing? That's not going to do anything, is it? Just she's just got magic eyes. On it. it's just, what what so washer it's thing? going to squirt and freeze on the windscreen.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we should probably yeah. step back, actually, and talk about that whole ski escape scene, because after Bond gets out yeah. by the cable car thing, um, that ski scene, I actually quite enjoyed that. I was pretty damn good. That. It,
1: yeah, a lot of it as well. Not it, There was the odd uh, green screen face there, but a lot of it, you're right, What was actually people skiing. Yeah, and, it, it, it was a the step choreography up. choreography of it
0: was great. Yeah, it, it was certainly a step up from most... Bond films we've seen before where they've been pretty poor, those types of action sequences. But yeah, this yeah. was pretty good, yeah. Yeah, was this? I, I think this was after he'd met up with her, yeah, it was.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry, it was, before, and
0: think- it, was, it was before he met up with her in the village, but then there's yeah. another ski chase after when he's rescued by her in the village. So there's that particular scene where that guy. Falls into the trench and gets churned up by that. Uh, I don't even know what that machine is.
1: Oh, what the, the the snowblower? So it goes through deep snow, carves it up, and throws it out. So it, it carves a deep channel.
0: Right. Okay. Then that guy, that bit with the guy falls into that, and there's like you know the, the 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 blood and all that sort of stuff coming out of it. I was wondering how the audience would have would have dealt with that at the time because was there like slasher flicks and stuff going on in the
1: late sixties? Well, he certainly wouldn't know much about it. That's for sure. But, uh...
0: Don't don't
2: forget uh, forget things like Psycho and those uh, movies were sort of becoming popular at the time. But so there were sort of uh, some sort of movies, but not to what we saw probably in the eighties, nineties, where we were seeing these movies where we were seeing a lot of blood and gross stuff. But you would see the sort of stabbings
0: and a little bit of blood and.
1: It was a bit. It was a bit overly unnecessary for a Bond film, I thought.
0: Yeah, that's how I felt about it, and especially when we made a joke out of it as well. It, I was just yeah. I just wonder what the what the what people's mm. yeah, thoughts on that would be at the time. I think this is where we
2: sometimes forget as well, because we don't see the blood and all those nasties. We forget actually, Bond isn't. I'm really if you think about it he's not a nice guy he's
1: a cold blooded he fucking fell no no but what I'm trying to go go back and go
2: (laughs) (laughs) no but what I'm generally saying when he makes uh, certain jokes about when something happens to a person like or he kills them. uh, we have to realise this guy's not ordinary guy like you and I go and do our work
1: and yeah, we don't harm any. I do agree with you. It reminds me of a scene out of Arnold Schwarzenegger with True Lies where he's under yeah. that, that truth serum and Jamie Lee Curtis says, "If you kill people. He goes, yes, but they were all bad. Yeah. He, but then know, again, yeah, he's got lies to kill and he's killing, bad, he's killing baddies. He's not killing good people. He's killing baddies that are trying to, to do bad <laughs> and harm.
2: But, yeah, but then... What i saying trying to say is when the other guys kill someone, we say, oh, that is bad. But then they're thinking the same thing on their side, you hear what I'm
0: saying. Skipping ahead a bit, quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to say the grenade, and hopefully you both know what I mean by that. The
1: one that uh, falls in the car. And then- well, that's the moment I thought, ah, oh, that's where he gets the scar from.
0: It wasn't him that got blown up, was it? It was Bond. And he got thrown out of that toboggan like a rag doll and he just gets straight back up and starts running after him that's a frag grenade surely that's a, that would have torn into pieces
1: hang on hang on which, which wasn't i thought it was bloomfeld that tried to pull the grenade
0: it was yeah but he dropped it remember so Blumenfeld pulled the pin dropped it and then he's scratching around for it he gets it and then he just that's kind right. of like throws it behind oh, it yeah, tosses yeah, yeah. it back yeah and,
1: uh, gets yeah, sorry yeah, yeah, it is the point in which I thought, "Oh, is this where he gets the scar?" But then, no, that grenade had a much longer than the five second fuse on it. And then, yes, did exp- Yeah, and he just kind of, yeah, it wouldn't have happened in reality. I mean, if you if you're going to be if you're going to be realistic, and a guy falling into a snow into a snow um, uh, compactor, then you've got to be realistic in the fact that he's going to be buried in shrapnel and missing a leg and an arm and probably very likely dead.
2: So Bond wouldn't be around then. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you're right, Uh, Paul and Justin, that was a little
1: bit unrealistic and a little bit stupid. His his say later on just very, very, just slid into view. Well, that thing would have been blown to fucking bits and all, but it just slid into view, didn't it, at the end of that whole scene? (laughs) Did it? Just say, oh, you know, jump on me. I'm I'm ready, you know, I'll take you wherever you need to go, like a taxi. I was like, what? Yeah. It was
2: a little bit stupid, that scene.
1: Well, I mean, it was, it was a bit like the avalanche scene as well, it, you know, towards the end. I mean, they, they would have broken all sorts of bones rolling around down from that bloody avalanche. And it was quite it was quite a bit of spectacular footage there, actually. I don't you know where they got that from, but the, the final bits where they were sort of rolling with it. I think anybody who's been caught in an avalanche would tell you that it hurts a lot more than that.
2: Mm. But don't forget, it is James Bond after all. This is the thing, he's the super existed. fit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just okay case. doesn't matter how physically strong or fit you are you're not going to survive half of the stuff
1: he does and also we actually uh, uh, something we've not picked up on uh, the note that I had uh, we Bond's got an office yes, oh, oh, yeah, it's yes. Gonna, he's actually got his own office
0: yeah he's never in it but yeah it's the first oh, time no, I it, Yeah, it
1: yeah. but, but I don't think you ever see that again I'm no of, you oh, don't He's got his own office. Oh, that's wicked.
2: <laughs> that was the first and last time we ever saw it. Yeah, uh,
1: we saw it in two two cuts.
2: What I liked about that scene, the again made sure that we were watching the same bond. Was where he took everything out of his drawer, like from his uh, missions, and then he would hear the song, like uh, from uh, Doctor No. Um, from Russia with love and then you would hear Thunderball as well with the knife, the uh, dagger basically, just to remind us that he's the same character and then he goes cheers mom," and he's drinking from his whiskey flask or whatever
1: Very quickly, want to talk about again mentioned it earlier uh, don't know where the girls went they just disappeared on some minibus and never to be seen again um, don't even know where Bloomfeld disappeared to either. Um, not sure. Um, and yeah, and how sad it was that the ending was the way it was. Yeah, a, a
0: couple of yeah, a couple of points that I also noticed as well. The, the 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 Blofeld, he got stuck up a tree. I mean, that would have snapped his neck. So I assume he's dead. Uh, just hanging in that tree in Switzerland. And he'll probably be found.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. well, no, because when he was driving the Mercedes to, for the bird to shoot uh, his wife, he had a neck brace on, didn't he? Yeah, he did.
0: Right. I actually must have looked away at that moment because I didn't realise he was actually in the car.
1: Yeah, he was driving it and he had a neck brace on.
0: Right. Okay. Okay, that's fine. So still alive, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as, as for the end bit, where she dies, yeah, fucking heartbreaking, isn't it, that?
2: Yes. Mm. Uh, so I, think, uh, that moment. I think there's only time, i think in a one movie, uh, of where, I remember watching it uh, about 10 to 20 years ago, where I went I was silent, I just, at the, that moment, felt that, I felt for him, big time, going, oh
0: my God, what's going on? Justin, do you want to, you know, overall, what do you think?
1: As I say, it was in, in my top three of what we've reviewed so far. And uh, I can't believe I left it so long to watch this one again.
0: Mm. Well, um, yeah, I, I I feel the same. I'm definitely I'm much more drawn to this version of Bond than I am the, the other ones. The, the other ones are entertaining to watch and stuff, but it's very predictable storylines. This one felt like a movie. I actually felt like I had connections with a character at some stages, and, yeah, overall, I liked it. I would have been interested to have had that same script and that same storyline, but with Connery playing Bond and to see how it would have worked out. I mean, we'll never know, but it would have been interesting to see. And at the moment, Diana Rigg, my favourite Bond girl. Samir, what do you think?
2: Uh, I'm very much similar to your point of view, Paul, because I really wish that the producers, uh, first of all, I want to say I like the movies. Uh, over the years, I've liked it. George Lansing not my favourite Bond, but he did a really good job for being a non-actor to take over from Connery, who was a mega star as Bond. But like yourself, Paul, I will always wonder how it would have been if him and Bridget, Connery and Bardo would have starred in this movie. But only that, not only that side, but I'm also wondering if the producers before you only live twice had said to him when they chose it, okay you're going to get more creat- creative uh, say in this percentage of the movie and plus we're going to make you offer like a million dollars a connery and said okay uh, only, um, one of her majesty's secret service will be your uh, swan song to Bond and after that if you don't want to do any more goodbye but overall I would say it's one of the top three or four movies Bond movies for sure
0: all right. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that we all kind of agree on that. All right. Well, let's leave it there. That was another good discussion. Right, so um, yeah, we are on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on fucking everything. I'm ju- I'm just going an overdrive with 11.8 at the moment. I'm posting videos and content everywhere. So no matter what your platform of choice is, whether it's the mainstream social media or it's the alt tech sites, we're everywhere. So Find us, follow us, subscribe, etc. So it's goodbye from me.
1: Goodbye from me. Cheers, guys. Enjoyed that.
0: And it's goodbye from me.